Good morning, family. Hope everyone is doing well this morning. Uh, welcome to our Free State online service. It's great to be able to connect together today. Um, you know, over the next few weeks, we're going to be starting a series, and I'll be preaching through the book of 1 Peter. And the title of our series is Hope in the Storm. Now, today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at some of the context of the book of 1 Peter, and then we're really going to dive in uh, to scripture. And then over the next several weeks, we'll be unpacking Peter's first letter to the churches in Asia Minor. Uh, and, and at the second half of our message today, we're going to do something a little bit different that I've never done before that I'm pretty excited about. So uh, be looking forward to that. But before we get into it this morning, let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you so much just for the opportunity to be able to connect as a family this morning. God, to hear your word. Father, I'm so grateful for your word. God, we need your word so much. We know how powerful your word is. God, that it has the power to sustain all things. God, that it is enduring. Father, we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for your son, Jesus. And I pray that this morning and over the next few weeks as we look at the letter of 1 Peter, God, that we can open our hearts to what your word has to say, that we can look back to Jesus as an example for us to follow. God, we're so grateful for Jesus, for his life, and for his sacrifice. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So, guys, as you get into further into the first century, tension between Christianity and the Roman society was increasing. You know, if you have time, I'd encourage you to go back and watch my sermons in a series that was titled Endure. I go into quite uh, depth, quite a lot of depth over the dynamics between being a Christian and living in the Roman society. So I really encourage you, if you have time and if you haven't, go back and listen to that. I think that will help you uh, grow an even greater understanding. But as people were becoming Christians later into the first century in the middle of a Roman society, they were submitting their lives to the lordship of Jesus. Rome was not their kingdom anymore. Caesar was not their Lord. They no longer participated in worshiping the Roman Empire and their gods. They no longer followed the societal norms, but rather the teachings of Jesus. This meant a lack of participation in several aspects of society, and society took offense at it. Christians became social outcasts and were persecuted socially, economically, by government officials, and even by family members. And it wasn't because they were outwardly antagonistic or blatantly opposing Rome. It was actually the opposite. The Christians quietly withdrew from society. And as they did that, people grew skeptical because their lack of participation was seen as a threat to the Roman way of life. It was seen as a disloyalty to the empire and to Caesar. They were seen as haters of humanity, as some quoted. Christians were viewed and Christianity was viewed as a deadly, wicked, hideous, and shameful superstition. And as they moved further and further into the first century, 
Christians faced devastating challenges in increasing measure. And things really came to a head in the 60s AD. You know, Nero was emperor. There's an account where Nero was, he, he took on a project of rebuilding a large portion of Rome. And so what his plan was, he was going to burn down a portion of the city and rebuild in that area. But the fire spread out of control and burned down a lot of the city. And so rather than taking responsibility for this, Nero placed the blame of burning down a chunk of the city on the Christians. Right? An easy blame because they were already looked down upon. They were already social outcasts. You know, there's a quote about this from a first century historian. Let's read it. It says, Therefore, to scotch the rumor of the fire, Nero substituted as culprits and punished with the utmost refinements of cruelty a class of men loathed, whom the crowds called Christians. First, they were arrested. Next, vast numbers were convicted, not so much on the account of arson, but for hatred of their kind. They were covered with wild beast skin and torn to death by dogs. They were fastened on crosses. And when daylight failed, they were burned to serve as lamps by night. Nero offered his gardens for the spectacle. They were sacrificed not for the welfare of the state, but due to the ferocity of a single man. Guys, this was the context that Peter is addressing these churches in. And if you can guess where Peter was writing this letter from and when, Peter most likely wrote his first letter to the churches in Asia Minor while he was in Rome in the 60s, soon before he was martyred by Nero. First Peter is an incredibly powerful letter addressing churches that are undergoing intense challenges. But it's a letter of hope. It's a letter that provides perspective. It's a letter that points us back to Jesus. And it's a letter instructing us on how we should live and act and respond to the challenges that we're facing in life. And who better to instruct us on how we should live during the challenges of life than Peter, writing from Rome, soon to be martyred, calling us back to the example of Jesus, who was also killed by people that he was trying to sacrifice and serve and love and save. The churches needed this letter then, and we need it today. Now, like I said, we're going to do something a little bit different. I've never done this before. We're going to read through the letter of 1 Peter today. Now, it's not a very long book, and before you tune out and just say, oh, I'll just go do it on my own, we're doing this for a reason. And the main reason we're doing this is because I believe that we need God's word now more than ever. 
There's a flood of content in our society and some of it's good, but a lot of it is not. And it can be so easy to be tossed back and forth by every wind of teaching. But when we proclaim that Jesus was Lord, we decided to submit to his teachings. And we know that God's word has power to sustain all things. We need God's word in our life. And as a church, we need to love God's word. We need to read and know and obey God's word. And the word of God has got to speak louder in our lives than any other voice right now. And so we're going to read this letter from start to finish because I believe there is power in God's word. Amen. You know, and when the churches in Asia Minor were receiving this letter, right, it was a letter that was circulated from church to church and town to town, right? And these weren't necessarily large churches, maybe a couple of them, but most of these were smaller churches, maybe 20 or 30 or 40, some crammed in a house and would gather together and read this letter aloud and hear these words written from Peter, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to do this morning as we gather together and listen to the word of God. Now they were going through their set of challenges and we have a different set of challenges today, but the message is still the same. So what I'd like for everybody to do is get up and go get a Bible. Literally, I know what it's like. You're tuning in, you're sitting back on your couch. Maybe you're in bed right now. Maybe you have a Bible. Maybe you don't have a Bible. Whatever you're doing, However, you're relaxing or tuning in right now, get up and literally go get a Bible. I'm going to put a timer up for two minutes. So take that time to get up, go get a Bible. If you have an online version, that's okay. But I think there's something powerful about actually holding a physical Bible in your hand. If you don't have one, you could take these next two minutes to go online. And I bet you could order one in that time. But go get a Bible. We're going to put a timer up. Turn over to the book of 1 Peter, and when we come back, we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. So get up, go get a Bible, and come right back.
Okay, welcome back. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter, and we're going to begin. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls." Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him as so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, that you have sincere love for each other, love 
one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe the stone the builders rejected has come, uh, has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. 
When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as elaborate hairstyles, wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs with you and the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you, be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you? If you are eager to do good, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Also be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight and all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven 
and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for even evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless and wild living and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead so that they might be judged according to human standards in regards to the body, but live according to God in regards to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, the power forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. The spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as Christians, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to the faithful creator and continue to do good. To the elders among you, I appeal as fellow elders and a witness of Christ's suffering who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. All of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. And such powerful words. And honestly, incredibly challenging teaching. Guys, I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know the storms that you're facing, right? We aren't, we aren't facing the same set of challenges and circumstances that our brothers and sisters were in the first century. But we're facing our own storms. I don't know what your storms are. Maybe there's storms in your marriage. Maybe it's storms with your family, with your children. Maybe it's storms at work. Maybe it's storms with what's going on in our world. Maybe it's storms of loneliness. Maybe it's storms of mental health. Maybe it's relational storms. Maybe it's storms in your faith. Wherever you're at this morning, whatever your storms are, there's hope. There's hope because of who you are in God's sight. There's hope because of who our king is. There's hope because of where our citizenship lies and which kingdom we belong to. There's hope because of where our home is. And there's hope because someday Jesus is going to return in his full glory and fully establish his kingdom. But until then, we've been given an example to follow. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, regardless of what is going on in our lives, we have got to go back to when we decided that Jesus was Lord, when we decided to submit to his way of living, to his teachings. Regardless of the storms in our life, we have got to decide to continue to be disciples of Jesus, to live life his way, to respond to the storms and the challenges in life with the way that Jesus responded and the way that Jesus lived through those challenges. 
Brothers and sisters, regardless of where you're at this morning, regardless of the storms in your life, there is hope. And I'm looking forward to unpacking Peter's first letter to the churches over the next coming weeks. I'm looking forward to the perspective that it provides. I'm looking forward to the instruction that we've received. Thank you guys so much for joining. I hope this has been a refreshing morning. uh, And I hope that we can continue to flood our lives with the power that comes from God's word. I love you guys. I hope you have a great rest of the day and we'll see you next week.